Curtain going up. Curtain going up. Places, please. Stand by. Ladies and gentlemen, she comes to you from the cornfields of Indiana. She loves the Constitution more than she likes most people. Allow me to introduce Shouse in the House. Hey everybody, welcome to Shouse in the House. I'm literally Heather, hanging out with you. I've got Cam with me as well as Ricky. And we're going to talk about 3D printing today, but on a whole other level, really, if we're going to be honest. So um, let's start with how did you guys get into 3D printed guns? Like what made you decide to start doing it? Um, I, I discovered Control Pew uh, a long time ago, several years ago, and I was just mesmerized by the idea that you can literally create guns out of plastic. I thought that was a really cool thing. That's the reason I bought my my Ender three. Cool. What about you, Ricky? For me, it really started with uh, the Liberator when that first came out. A lot of the news press around that and how crazy like an innovation that was. That really got me into it. And the whole uh, defense distributed that whole group. And then it kind of just uh, tangent it off into uh, deterrent suspense and control pew and everything like that. And that uh, really made a community come together in that lines. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because in the 3D printed community, I had Control-P on not too long ago, actually. And the in the community, it's interesting how it's a little bit segregated, but it's incredibly inviting in a different way than the regular gun community. I feel like in the regular gun community, it's like if you don't have the Gucci stuff or your nods or whatever, like they kind of alienate you if you... If, if you don't play by the rules, but in the 3d printed community, it's kind of like, it's much more even keeled. It's like, come on in, get you a printer, let us help you out. It's, it feels much more inviting and encouraging to get people involved with firearms and just expressing themselves. Would you guys agree with that? Or do you think I'm wrong about that? I can't speak for the wider like gun community, because I'm, I'm not really a part of it. I'm a gun owner, but I'm not like a part of the community. Sure. Uh, but you're absolutely correct about the whole 3D printing uh, community. It, since it's a collaborative effort and we're all sort of working with each other and, and exchanging information and notes, um, it's, it's very much welcoming. Hey, come on in, you know, let's help you out. Let's, you know, you want to help out, you want to contribute. It's super, super open-ended. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, the basically the baseline for being in the 3D printed gun community is $200 for an under three. And then you're in the community, basically. You can do anything. Hell, you don't even got to have, have to have a printer to be in a community. You can just talk in the chats and people will accept you into it. Yeah. Yeah. And and if, you ha if you're struggling or you need help, like I haven't found that at any point in time, people are like, no, I'm not going to talk to you. Like that, that doesn't happen at all with you guys. So um, that's interesting. I have an Ender 3. Uh, oh, nice. Box. Don't tell anybody, though. <laughs> Control Pew is going to be pissed at me if it's still no, in there. No, so no, no, no. <laughs> I've committed um, after the first of the year, I'm going to go hard and do some content creation and try to print some guns myself. But Go for it. Go for it. Um, how long have you guys been? I know, Kim, you had kind of touched on how long, like way back when. Um, but how long have you guys been printing and kind of what's your favorite build? How many guns do you guys have? If you don't care to disclose that. 
Um, I, I have to confess that my 3D printer, I per, I was given it, it was a gift. Uh, I got it two or three years ago and I, I printed a couple of little small models and then it broke and I didn't, oh, no. I didn't get to fixing it until I heard about the Utica buyback. Um, so I don't actually have a lot of experience printing. Um, that might be a question for Ricky. Yeah, I've been printing for a long time now, probably like four or five years. Nice. I got it as like a Christmas gift. The first printer I got was an i3 clone. It was a complete piece of garbage. And then Hold I on, wait, a... I have to ask you. I have to interrupt you really fast. You got it as a Christmas gift. Did they know why they were buying it for you? Uh, I don't know. It was just a hobby because I was just into making stuff at the time. Right. It's just something to get into because the first printer I bought was probably around $300. It was not very expensive, mm -hmm. but it was not very good either. I probably spent okay. more than half the time trying to fix it up. And then <laughs> the... Prusa i3 Mark III came out, and I bought one of them. Probably the best money I've ever spent because I never had to fix anything on the machine that I did not break myself. Right. And now, since then, uh, I'll go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. Since then, I've probably put at least two or three years of just consecutive print time on it, which is a lot. Yeah. So. The uh, control pew had mentioned there's like a bamboo or something like that. There's a new printer coming out. I think he and um, God, what is his name? Oh, my mind just went completely blank. 3D print general. I think they're both getting ready to kind of beta test it, but they said it's like the closest thing to, you know, like when crickets came out, it's the closest thing to like hobby gun printing, like where it's, like set it and forget it and walk away so that might be something to look into sounds like a cool little thing i'm not aware of it um i don't know if ricky if you've heard of it no i can't say i've ever heard of it either um anyway it's totally a <laughs> okay so let's talk about the gun but well first let's talk about the direction that things are going in with the scary ghost guns and then we'll get to the gun buyback so Right now, there's obviously a huge push within this administration and even in politics in general to eliminate ghost guns, guns that are on the street that do not have serial numbers. And that can be ones that have been filed off and plastic 3D printed guns. So what are your all's thoughts on the direction? Because, I mean, the, the phrase, you know, you can't stop the signal, right? So my question to you guys is where do you see them being able to curtail because it's they're they can't just come out and say okay 3d printers are illegal now they're, they're not going to do that because there's too many hobbyists that don't print guns so where do you guys see this going like long term absolutely nowhere absolutely nowhere this is this is a fool's errand they're never ever going to 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 put a stop to this 100 percent this is this is a lost cause you you literally cannot stop the signal the files are out there the tools are out there the equipment is out there the knowledge is out there it's over they've already lost and they're trying they're grasping it basically they had originally if, if i'm not mistaken they had originally tried to get the files taken down right and how do you do that it was it's on the internet how first amendment yeah <laughs> yeah i'm have to agree with that uh especially with the whole basis of RepRap 3D printers, which is printers that can basically fix themselves that are made off of like hardware. 
you can get at the hardware store, nothing like that will ever cease to exist, especially with the internet existing and torrents and everything such like that. Do you guys think that it's just due to a total and complete lack of knowledge as to what it takes to produce a firearm that they think that at some point they're going to be able to control this? Do you think it's just ignorance and that's why they're still pushing on it? Because I, I don't know if you guys saw today, I'm, I've been reading the, did you see where Guns of America had found within the uh, budget bill? where they had found a bunch of stuff what they're putting in there for gun um, legislation. Did you guys see that? No. Okay. Just kidding. We won't talk about that then. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm just curious, like you hear them get up there and they talk about firearms and they're so stupid. They, anytime they get up and discuss firearms, it's like the, it's an automatic and it's you, you just with a hundred round magazine like they just they have no concept of what it actually is that they're talking about and so my question to you guys is do you think that they just haven't realized that they're never going to be able to stop this um i think part of it is technological ignorance and and a little bit of of lack of uh, technical literacy um Definitely most most on the left who, who advocate for these kinds of policies are not at all aware of what firearms even are. They're not technically literate about firearms technology, and they're certainly not literate about 3D printing and how the internet works and how all of these methods of distribution um, have already beat them to the punch. They are right. entirely ignorant, and they don't want to educate themselves because they think that they are already the smartest people in the room uh, when, when it comes to this topic, so... For sure. Yeah, it doesn't help that all the politicians who are making this leg- legislation are all uh, old shriveled up raisins. It's, yeah. it's like it's like your grandma trying to teach her to use a phone. It, they're just not going to learn or listen. It, they just can't. Yeah, they don't get it and they don't want to get it. And yeah. that's that's just how it is. So let's move on. So there's this big push right now all over the country. A lot of these... Uh, majority left-wing cities, we've seen one in Houston, we've seen one in New York, Um, they're doing gun buyback programs where they put out the mailer, they put out the flyer, they say, hey, here's what we're going to give you, and then you come back. So tell me, before we get into what you guys did, tell me what the enticement was. Tell me what like you were going to get if you brought a, a firearm in. Money. <laughs> I know, but like how much? Like, and for a what? lot of money, yeah. <laughs> thousands of dollars. I mean, uh, I had done the math at least on my end, and and my numbers were were in the tens of thousands. Um, but most most of the people who showed up with three printed frames or or receivers uh, left with thousands of dollars. I mean, this is the single most profitable thing that I think any of us have ever done. Yeah. So. Honestly. Tell me how much you printed and how much you got. Um, I printed, I have the, I have it here. I printed yes. 60 of these things, which are, this is the Yankee Boogle, which is a specific kind of lightning link or uh, auto sear, which when dropped into an AR-15 uh, makes it fire fully automatic. Right. I printed 60 of these uh, and I had another 50 miscellaneous uh, firearm frames and receivers. 
the receivers I, I didn't sell because they didn't want to buy them at full price. They, they walked back on their word. But 60 of these at $350 a pop was $21,000. <laughs> I know, right? It's just, it's insane. Holy shit. Okay, so for the audience that is not um, visually watching this, you guys are listening to it. Um, there is a video, it will be on Odyssey. You guys should go check that out so you can see the piece, the auto seer that he, um, he has displayed. It's just a little plastic piece that converts the AR-15 to, from a semi-automatic to an automatic rifle. It's just really a little, like, it's like, maybe what, like <laughs> four inches? Two inches. Two inches. Yeah. Two inch piece that drops in. And it's insane to me that you got $21,000 for this. So now I want to ask you another question. And this is going to be a little bit uncomfortable for you, I think. So a lot of times, like we're talking about the government stealing money from the citizens and stuff. So this $21,000 that you received was taxpayer money, right? It didn't come from a private entity. So presumably, at some point, it came from the taxpayer, the the specific budget I think may have been funded through civil asset forfeiture. So it may have been money that was confiscated from uh, criminal organizations. Criminal order. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure where the money comes from. Sure. Um, but, you know. They're giving I, it away. I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that, that I feel bad about it because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to make you feel bad. It's just. You know, the, there's the dichotomy there, right? Like right. we're, and I say we, I, I don't want to like bring you into my group that doesn't exist. Right. But I, I'm one of my biggest things is government spending when they don't have to and they shouldn't, and then those that money is coming from somewhere. If it's civil asset forfeiture. It's almost like borderline even worse. Like you're stealing from yeah. people now at this I mean, point. Like the, the way stealing. I look at it is the government spends a lot of time stealing money from people. Yes. I don't see how scamming them out of some of that money is a bad thing. Sure. Exactly. Like they've already stolen it. It'd probably go nowhere otherwise if it were, wasn't going in your pocket. You know what I mean? Yeah. Say that one I more mean, time, Ricky. It probably wouldn't be going anywhere useful if it wasn't going in your pocket otherwise. That's true. I mean, I mean, they go spend it on guns for themselves, right? Exactly. Like <laughs> to yeah. shoot you with. Like, I'd rather have the money than the Utica Police Department spend it on more, you know, whatever they think they need. So, what was the response on the back end of that? Like, did they? I think you said they made a rule change where they now did. they're not doing. Yeah. Um, so the the gun buyback in Camellias, which Ricky actually went to, yeah, uh, they they had a completely different rule set. And he can tell you about his experience because I didn't go to that one. Okay, so, walk me through it, Ricky. So he printed out, like, how many did you say it was? Like, at least 60. 20, 60 of them? You had 60 of them? I have 60 of them, yeah. And you got around $20,000. $21,000. I made about 300 of them, and I took them to the Camillus buyback. And they... The guy who was in charge of it, he was probably on the phone with, I presume, his lawyer for at least like <laughs> half an hour, just trying to find any discrepancy in the flyer, so it'd be in their favor. So I didn't have, they didn't have to give me any money. And 
one of the specific ones was the gun parts. They were advertised on the flyer as they give you twenty five to fifty dollars for each gun part. And that in the parentheses that said uppers, lowers, and auto sears, or uppers, lower, auto sears. There was no and or 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 anything. So I presumed, oh, they're just giving examples of gun parts they would give you. And when I told him about this, he he said that when he was talking with his law firm that you needed all three of them to get all the money. What? Yeah. It's and no, when I called him out Sorry, when I called him out on this and asked him, shouldn't it say and if it wanted all three of them? He basically just said, You I don't know the law. <laughs> okay. So here's what's really interesting to me about this because you're seeing like in the one in Houston, uh they came back and they were like Okay, no more ghost guns. We're not doing this anymore. <laughs> and it's our 3D printed guns, I should right. say. Um, so either they're so dangerous, we have to get them all off the street, or they're not dangerous at all because we don't want to give you money for them. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's the Crazy. that's the double bind that they're in is that their their own politics have forced them into a particular corner, and they right. don't like the fact that they've been. Uh, Put in that corner. Notice that the the flyer for the Utica gun buyback didn't make any mention of firearms parts or auto sears at all. And I was the only one who brought these things in. And now all of their new gun buybacks mention auto sears specifically. Right. Well, aren't those auto sears technically classified by the ATF as a machine gun? So they each have to individual auto sear is price? legally considered a machine gun. Man, and that was that was the way that I was that I turned them in. I have sixty unregistered, unserialized machine guns because that's how the ATF classifies this little piece of plastic. Can you even print out the flyer of the website? I did. I, pr I print. I printed out the ATF's determination because they they tried to fight me for it. They tried to they tried to say that it wasn't worth anything. At first, unfortunately, and then they got and then they got the ATF on the phone, and they realized that they were going to have their heads put on bikes. Wait, they, they called the ATF while you? Oh were yeah, no, they had an ATF liaison on on speed dial. They were in a conference. <laughs> the chief of the Utica Police was in a conference call with the AG's office, four different law firms, the city council, and the ATF to wow. decide that guy, how they that were guy going to deal with this little talking thing. about. I don't think he's the chief of Utica Police because the same guy was at the Camillus buyback. He was the one who actually confronted me because he recognized me from the Utica buyback. <laughs> and no, everybody um, was calling him chief, man. I'm pretty sure he was the chief of, of police. I don't know. I think he has something to do with the attorney general's office, or something, but I don't. I don't remember his name Maybe. at all. I, you know what? I assume that he's the chief because everybody called him chief. Yeah, unfortunately, when I turned in the auto sears at the, uh, the Camillus buyback, I gave it to them so they could count it out. And of course, I never got it back. Because oh, why would they give it back? And I watched at least like a couple people walk in with the same things that I had, and they got twenty five a pop for them. But they tried fighting me over it because the guy recognized me. He was very ticked off that I had the balls <laughs> to go to another one. So, are they doing more of these around you guys? Are you guys going to keep trying to take advantage of these, or? Was it as kind long of as I get paid. we're good to go? Yeah, as long I as any I get currently. Paid. I don't know of any currently they're doing it in New York State because I, I live in New York State. He doesn't. But any future ones that I could take advantage of, I definitely will. 
Well, you know that the attorney general is about to make some very, very important uh, press release tomorrow. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, she's got <laughs> she's got a bunch of news agencies RSVPing, so we'll wow. see what happens. Uh, I am I am determined to continue doing this so long as I get paid. Right. I, I yeah, have I seen, I see absolutely I mean, no problem with it. In Ricky's case, you printed a whole bunch of them off. You didn't get paid on them, and you lost them, so you can't like go sell them later. Well, I, I, I still got I, I still got paid for them. I I argued with him for a while. He he basically kept me after the hour, so after one o'clock when the buyback ended, and basically was like threatening me and intimidating me in a room along with him, me and my friend who drove me there, and was basically trying to intimidate us and taking the less money, which we ended up taking like $900 in the end. So it wasn't worth nothing, but it was still something in the end. Right. So do you guys think that this is maybe dangerous? Like, do you think that you're bringing unwanted, unne I mean, they're calling ATF liaisons. They've got the attorney general's office involved. Like, do you think that you're putting yourself in a position where, uh, more attention can be placed on you than what you're really comfortable with or what you want? Of course. I mean, on, on one end, you, it's an amnesty program, right? So if right. they arrest me, that's on them. They're going to burn the buybacks forever. It, it, when the public finds out that somebody showed up to the buyback and got arrested for trying to turn in firearms, it's over. Like, they're never going to have a successful buyback in the state again. Um, yeah. I, I'm kind of thankful for the attention. Because I want people to know what happened. I want right. people, the, the, the lay person in this country who doesn't own firearms and is not familiar with firearms legislation doesn't know why this is so significant. Right. The fact that this little piece of plastic can put you away for 10 years if you don't give the, the FBI fingerprints is ridiculous. Yeah. It's insane. And, and the more attention that, that is brought on this sort of thing, the, the more the public will figure out that these programs don't work. The statistics back us up on this. These programs don't work. They don't take guns off the streets and off the hands of criminals. They just disarm normal law-abiding citizens. And in, like, in the case of the Utica gun buyback, they destroy historic relics uh, that cannot be reproduced. In, in, if you look at the pictures of the, of the hall that the Utica Police Department got, you will see a PO8 Luger and an, and an Arinko SKS. Both are World War II era weapons, originals right. with probably matching serial numbers that are going to be either destroyed or stolen by officers of the Utica Police Department. Same thing at the Camillus buyback. There were many like vintage guns and stuff. I saw like a World War II era PPK someone turned in. They got 25 bucks for it. Uh, Mosin the Gaunt that didn't work. They got 25 bucks for that. They'll, that had to have been at least 50, 60 years old. I mean, these are guns that will run for hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on, on the gun on market. Auction or, yeah. at, at auction, these are collector's pieces. These are historical relics from our past that the, that the Utica Police Department and police departments are, across the country are destroying or stealing from so law-abiding citizens. Let's elaborate on that for a second. So, I mean, these people are turning these guns in voluntarily, right? And you and I both know that the they're probably, I mean, if they're only getting $25, that doesn't feel like a lot, but um, using that money to upgrade to get something like an AR-15 or something like that, that's why I think somebody would feel compelled to take their old guns and go turn them in for cash and then apply that to something else. But 
Um, why do you think people are participating in it? Because I, I mean, I've seen some of the pictures. There have been some people that are turning in quite a few firearms. So why? Why do you think that people are all of a sudden like, you know what? I have this gun, but I don't think I need to protect myself anymore. I'm just going to go turn this in. Like what, what compels somebody to do that? A lot I was talking with I was talking with some people at the last buyback, some of the older folk who went there. And mm -hmm. a lot of the reasons I've been seeing is either like guns they don't make ammo for anymore or guns they don't make parts for anymore. They just want to get rid of because they're not worth a shit. That's right. one of the reasons I see other than like someone inheriting them and not wanting them. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, that's a big one. Inheriting firearms and not wanting them um, and not wanting to go through the process of selling them. Uh, general lack of knowledge of what the firearms are, like, you know, having a thing that's worth a lot of money, but you don't know what it is, so you don't know that it's worth a lot of money. Um, people who think that having a firearm in the house makes the house unsafe. Um, people who erroneously believe that the firearm makes them less safe. I, right. I, I don't know. It's New York, so I don't I don't try to question it too much. I assume that the people aren't thinking about it. Sure. Um, because the vast majority of, of New Yorkers who, who participate in this kind of program um, are the kinds that think that they're doing some sort of social good. Sure. Um, and that, I mean, it hurts as a, as a firearms owner as an, and as an advocate for firearms rights in this country. Um, but, you know, you, you can't really, you can't do much about it. These people are going to, are going to participate whether we like it or not. The, the easiest way to prevent this stuff from happening is to stop the programs from proliferating. Did you guys try, or did was anybody around you trying to buy any of the firearms for more than what the government was offering? Not that I saw. As far as the law in New York State is, I believe you need an uh, an NFA in order to be able to transfer firearms like that. So yeah, you need some high level people, license. There's there, there wasn't anyone I saw there doing it, but you mean I an know, FFL? Yeah, an FFL. That's fine. Okay. Okay. But. I know people were doing it in Texas because that doesn't apply there. The I last person to attempt this in New York uh, was arrested, actually. Yeah. Um, they attempted to buy the Yes, to buy, to buy firearms from people who were turning them in at buybacks were arrested by, by some police department in New York State. What? Yeah, like two or three years ago. And then yeah. uh, somebody in Texas attempted to do this and was temporarily arrested for, uh, quote-unquote, disturbing the peace. <laughs> Yeah. What? No, it's vicious. These 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 people, uh, they don't just want people to come and turn in the guns. They don't want anyone else to have them. Wow. Yeah. Even in a state like Texas where private firearm transfers are completely legal and you don't need a background check for them, the, there was a guy who was arrested. He was let off. They didn't charge him. The the guy in New York, I think they did they did try to charge. Wow. That's insane. Yep. But that's New York for you. Well, but it shouldn't be, right? Like, no. the Second Amendment applies regardless of what state you're in. Like, that's an unalienable right that you were born with. And it, it doesn't matter what state you're in. You sh I should be able to walk up to somebody and be like, hey, I really, really like that gun. Uh, let's go to this FFL down the street and we're going to go. I'm going to buy it from you for triple what they're going to pay you for it. Yeah, one would hope, but... New York State, uh, uh, from from the words, sorry, from the mouth of the of the chief of the Utica Police Department, 
uh, New York state law, according to the state of New York, supersedes federal law. They don't care what federal law says. They don't care what the Constitution says. Uh, they don't want people having guns. And so they're going to ignore all legal precedent, including the, the recent Bruin decision. Uh, they just don't care. They want to trample on people's rights. They want to tyrannically oppress their people. So that's what they're going to do. Yeah, I, some of the stuff that I've heard come out of Hochul's mouth in the last, I don't know, month or two is, I mean, you could put her side by side with Mussolini or Hitler or Stalin and she would look no different. She would look exactly the same. Their politics are the same. It's the yes. same kind of left-wing authoritarianism that we saw in those European regimes. It's, sure. it's no different. It's just got a new coat of paint. So what do you guys see? I mean, she's obviously continuing to, to push down this path regardless of the and of the New York v. Bruin situation with the SCOTUS decision. And I think California felt slapped pretty hard on their last one, their assault rifle ban. And when that went back, I, I haven't seen them push outside of that. God so, save Ju Justice Benita. God save that man. Yeah. <laughs> Benita is a godsend to the people of California. Yes, 100%. Um, but Hochul seems to be just like thumbing her nose at the SCOTUS decision and saying, fuck you, we're going to keep moving forward with this. Yeah. So how do you see that playing out? Because it, it's a true moment where it's going to be tested state versus federal law. Um, I, I don't know how she continues to do this because it violates the bill of rights. That's a, that's a different beast than a, an executive order that comes out of Joe Biden's mouth. This is like the foundation of our country. It's going to be the breaking point. New York is going to be the, the, the straw that breaks the camel's back. If New York can get away with it, Illinois, California, Oregon, Colorado, all of these other States that, that really, really want to get away with gun control are going to see New York and say, okay, well, if they can ignore the Supreme Court, we can ignore the Supreme Court. And this, unfortunately, the Supreme Court has no enforcement arm. They have right. no way of enforcing uh, their laws. And so it's going to take lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit and appeal after appeal after appeal before something happens. But I honestly don't think that New York cares about the law. I think they're going to continue to violate it. Sounds like time to move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so okay that brings me to another question then right so you're starting to see new york completely disregard things like supreme court decisions and and other states will follow suit like you said so my question is to ricky's point time to move do you guys see the united states reaching a point where a national divorce actually legitimately takes place where you have this pocket of I guess, freedom-minded individuals in the center of the country, and then you just see the rim of the country covered in totalitarian fucking fascism? Oh, yeah. I, I really see that happening. I really hope not. That would be a terrible day for this country. It really would. It would be a dark day. Yeah, I hope that it doesn't happen, but I wonder if that's the direction. Because, I mean, like, Ricky, it was like it just rolled off his tongue. Time to move. So, yeah. like, you're already starting to see people vote with their feet a little bit and be like, you know what? Fuck this, man. I'm, I mean, you, you're seeing it in California. 
they're losing people and population so rapidly they can't compensate for it and they have nothing i'm to one of those people, people. <laughs> yeah i'm originally from southern california so i totally feel that sentiment of i need to get the hell out of here um i think that's that's where it's going is people are slowly going to start moving out of these out of these states the problem is the people who leave then move to states like texas and vote in the very same regimes that they were fleeing in the first place yeah and yeah, you're, it's you're it's this vicious right. cycle. It's this vicious cycle. Um, it's it's gonna take some sort of flashpoint to really, I think, ignite some sort of formal divorce. I don't. I I want to say that I don't see it. I don't see it happening. But you never know nowadays. I know so many people from around this area in New York, more right winged individuals that are moving out of the state, like very soon like to te texas to tennessee to florida to Car the carolinas just because of how bad the laws are going to hear in regards to the gun control laws and that has huge implications long term right if you're not offering something to entice industry to come to your state then you're in a position where you can't sustain right like if if New York has more people on the dole than they do having uh, providing for the state or producing for the state, I guess is, I should say. You reach a position where like the entire state's going to implode. You're going to become bankrupt. So we're going to see like miniature Sri Lanka's all over the place. California. Well, New York they, is going to find themselves with nobody to rule over. Right. It's going yeah. to be a dead empty state in five to 10 years. Because nobody wants to live under that kind of oppressive regime. Right. It's it's going to be interesting. Um, so do you guys think, so the ATF rule goes into place in, is it January for the pistol braces? I think so. There's some sort of amnesty period. Right. So I, I saw numbers and gosh, I wish I still had them in front of me. I might have them on my phone. Um, I saw the numbers and somebody created like a graph. And it was like the number of gun owners in, the, in America and the number of people who have been victims of like gun crime. And the, the numbers were so vastly different. And it was like peaceful gun owners outnumber all of that tenfold like it was like ridiculous numbers and this this it's a cash grab right like we're gonna turn pistol braces and and make them illegal but if you come in and you pay your 200 tax stamp we'll let you keep it like well the 200 tax stamp and you send your fingerprints out to the fbi and into right. their registry right I don't think they're going to get away with it. The Supreme Court's decision against the EPA, I think, is going to be the the strike against the, the ATF as well. I think Thomas just has to make that final push and say, no, you guys, just like the EPA, don't actually have the authority to create new law uh, and, and, to, and to expand the scope of your authority. You have to wait for Congress to do that for you. Um, and Congress can't do that because brew it. Right. So I, I think it's just it's just a matter of the right case getting put in front of Thomas um, and that precedent being brought up. And he's going to look at the ATF and say, guys, my hands are tied. Right. 
So my question to you is, do you see in our lifetime, I don't know how old you guys are, Ricky, I think you're quite a bit younger than me, but um, in yeah. our lifetime, do you see the NFA getting repealed? Do you see anything happening to the ATF from an organizational perspective? And do you see anything happening to the Second Amendment from a congressional perspective? I sure goddamn hope the NFA gets rejected or repealed. <laughs> uh, I could possibly see that happening in the next couple of years or so if we get the right rulings. As far I think as... Within... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, go on, go ahead. No, 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 please, please. Finish. No, I need, I need time to think. <laughs> I was going to say that the, the the suppressor case coming out of Texas is going to be the final nail in the coffin. That's going to get the NFA repealed. Um, the idea that the, the ATF can regulate interstate commerce, uh, even when it's not so wait, Are you talking about the suppressor rule where Texas said if yes. it's made in Texas and you are a Texas resident, you can have a... Uh, suppressor without going through the ATF, right? Yes. So, so part of the state of Texas's argument against the the suppressor rule is that the NFA on its face is unconstitutional. It 100% so is. 100%. No, no, no. I mean, and, and none of us none of us have any debate about that. It's 100% unconstitutional. Sure. But it's going to take getting that case put in front of Thomas and the rest of the Supreme Court. And I think within the next year or two, we're going to see them basically say, listen, they're, you know, here's the Bruin decision. Here is our test. And nothing in our history makes us think that this this ban on suppressors or this ban on this kind of particular kind of firearms uh, is meaningful or is is consistent with our historical understanding of the Second Amendment. And it's going to go right out the window. Um, I think the ATF is going to be stripped of their firearms regulation authority, um, and Congress will have no ability to do anything because giving them that authority is inconsistent with the Second Amendment through a historical um, analysis. It's, I, I just keep going back to this idea that, I mean, some of this gun legislation that got pushed through here recently, right? The, the, the one that just moved through Congress a couple months ago, I was shocked at the number of, which I'm not a Republican anymore and I'm definitely not a Democrat, but I, I'm just this politically homeless person that has ideals that are not matched with any political party that's out there right now. But to see so many conservatives, people who are supposed to be conserving any of the protections and rights for the people, to see so many of them sign on to this garbage legislation where they're like, well, we just have school shooting and we got a midterm election coming up. Let's just, you know, these people, it's okay if we take their rights away. Yeah. It's it's the the eternal problem with the GOP is that they think that making small concessions to the to the Democrat Party is going to stop them and satisfy them for long periods of time. The reality is it doesn't. The Democrats know that they can incrementally keeping you know they can increase this this oppression, um, and the GOP will agree to it so long as it doesn't hurt their bottom line. Uh, and they, the Republicans know that they can maintain their base riled up with the consistent threat of the Democrat sure. Party. Losing their rights, right? Um, immigration is a prime example of that. I've been talking about that lately. Um, immigration will never get solved, period. They'll never fix it. Ah, uh, Martha's Vineyard. Martha's uh, Vineyard. Okay, so that's um, that's where I'm going. Just stay with me here for a second. So the talking points have always been on the right. It's like, oh, they're coming to take your jobs. They're, you know, these are awful people. 
you know, whatever. Um, so be scared of the, the people across the border. That's what you get from the right, right? And then on the left, you get, oh, look at these poor babies and these mothers and they need jobs and they have families and the humanitarian side is played, right? Like your heartstrings are pulled from that side. And it's a talking point that they bounce back and forth with one another. But I think what they overestimated, number one, it was their fucking piss poor management coming in from a federal perspective this year or well, this, this term, I guess I should say. Yeah. And they, they underestimated how, overwhelmed those border states and communities were going to get and so then they're like, oh shit we kind of fucked up and let too many people in like we we kind of we took away our own talking point and so then now you've got we're sending them you say you're a sanctuary city okay great let me send you some some immigrants and they can hang out with you guys until it's time for them to go to court right. and what Martha's Vineyard, they lasted two days before they bust them off on a fucking ferry. They yeah. put them on a boat and said, goodbye. You're like, you can't be on our island. Fuck right, that. Right. You can come, but you can't stay here. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm I'm Hispanic. My parents immigrated from Latin America in the 80s and 90s. And so I know I know firsthand how how terrible the immigration system is, is, is in the United States. There is no easy solution. Um, and I think that both sides have the wrong idea. They have an incomplete analysis of the immigration problem. I think the left thinks that immigration will solve all of our problems. Uh, and the right thinks that immigration is going to ruin the country 100%. Sure. Um, they, which they, neither got, of which are true. Neither of which are completely true. Exactly. I think if they if they both came together and actually tried to bring up a solution for once instead of bickering about, you know, whatever, uh, they, they might actually be able to help people for once. But right. uh, it's not politically advantageous for either party to, to come up with a solution because it's it's more profitable politically for them to maintain this constant crisis that they can use to mobilize their base. Which I think guns are that situation as well. Unfortunately, yeah. I think that if, I don't know, like I, I go back and forth between like wanting to be like a totalitarian, like I'm just going to. I, I can't say that on the internet or I'll end up like arrested here in the next couple of days. But, um, so, but realistically, like if, if citizens' rights were respected truly and genuinely and we had a representative government, we wouldn't have these issues. But we have self-serving people who, who raised to power and they're like, wow, this tastes really good. Let me put my thumb down on you just a little bit more. Let me use this just a little bit. And COVID, man, it just something well, it happened. Blew everything out of the water. Yeah, something happened, and they just—it was like they—they just—it's like they had this huge cheeseburger, and they'd just been taking like little nibbles of it, and then COVID came, and they're like, "Damn, this burger is good," and they just tried to like eat the whole fucking thing and at once. Well, they realize just how much power they can exercise and get away with it. Correct. And that's that's the big problem. Um, civil service should be a burden, something that you do not because you want to, but because you know you have to. Right. Something you do in service of others, not in service of yourself. There's no there's no reason why uh, a politician should get into office, you know, being worth a hundred thousand dollars and come out being worth millions. I mean, Pelosi exactly. is a great example of this. Sure. How do you how do you go from being worth nothing to being worth billions? The Clintons, Clintons oh, are a prime example of that. Yeah, 
Um, so I, I want to kind of elaborate on that point real quick. And Ricky, I want you to jump in here too. I feel like I, we, Kevin, I keep going back and forth with one sorry, another. And sorry, you sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh, it's fine. I don't really follow much of the politics as much as the gun stuff. You know what I mean? Okay. So I wanted to talk about. So do you think we'll ever see like term limits? Do you ever think that we'll see a government that truly is representative where they, because that's the only way you achieve it, right? Lifetime politicians, they don't, they don't even, couldn't even name one person in their district. As long as the same people keep staying in power, I can, I, I honestly can't say I could ever see that happening. Yeah, I don't, I don't see the, the Congress legislating itself into less power. I think it's going to take yeah. a big push from the public to say, no, we're, we're checking you right now. We're limiting what you're allowed to do because you've, you've taken too much. What does that check look like, though, to you guys? And I'm not trying to be, I'm not Fed posting on my podcast or anything like that. Are you I'm, sure? Because you're starting to glow. I'm meaning legitimately. <laughs> you guys are I'm, like, messing with you. I'm messing with you. <laughs> no, I know. Um, but legitimately, because, you know, you did have some pushback. January 6th, I will never call that an insurrection. That is not what that was. But you had the public angry because they felt betrayed by their government. And they tried to push. And now, I mean, you, we still have people in federal prison you have this commission of, of bipartisan people. You, you have a former president whose house was raided by the FBI, who's been impeached twice and was, in, was investigated on false premises and spied on by our federal government. Now I'm not a, I'm not trying to be like oh my god I love Trump so much like I'm not one of those people but all of those things happened. And so when we talk about pushing back moving forward, what does that look like? Because if if any pushback we go to prison. They hunt you down, they turn your bank accounts off, they like we're so connected in a way that they limit us so significantly. So where does that start and how do we get there? I'm not smart I, enough to get an answer on that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would I would uh, borrow a page from from Tim Pool's book, and I would say that we have to start building parallel societies, parallel economies. Um, we are beholden to corporate interests, and we are beholden to political interests. But that doesn't mean we have to be. Right. You know, we can build our own payment processors. We can build our own streaming platforms. Uh, a lot of really smart people, much smarter than 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 me, are are already working on these things um, to truly bring an atmosphere of freedom and liberty to a lot of the daily things that we do. Um, and it's important to support these efforts uh, and, and to find these alternatives and create them where we can't uh, so that we can speak up and we can be vocal and we can dissent. Uh, the First Amendment is so much more important than everything else, because if we lose that, if we lose the, if we lose the ability to dissent, to, to disagree, to openly say, no, I don't want this. That's when we lose everything. I, I agree. I could not agree more.
wholeheartedly. Um, I'm an absolutist when it comes to the to free speech um, to the point where like I think you should be able to say anything. If you want to stand in a theater, which this is completely legal, even though that's the excuse that everybody always gives. You want to yell fire? Go fucking yell fire. Like, whatever. But uh, if you end up so suffering social consequences for what you say, that's a different story right. altogether. If you get trampled, um, not my problem. You're going yeah. to yell fire. But, but you shouldn't be arrested for it. Sure, exactly. And so I... I, so you guys may not know this about me, or you probably don't, because I don't think either one of you have been following me for any period of time, but um, I, I had been working really hard to build my YouTube channel, and I did an interview with a company called Redo Voting, and they do blockchain um, secure voting, and it's very simple. You just take a picture of a QR code and you vote on your phone and it's a hash that goes and you're done. Um, incredibly secure. It goes through the lottery system, which has never been hacked before. So it's, it's a big deal. So I did an interview with them. And in my interview, I said the words, I want to stay away from all of the conspiracy theory stuff, you know, uh, dominion dead people voting duplicate votes all of that i want to leave that aside i just want to focus on the fact that the states in question circumvented their state legislatures and violated election law and youtube dinged me and instant yeah and so i appealed it i'm like i think you guys misunderstood Here's yeah. the section of the video where I said, I want to stay away from this stuff. And I think maybe your algorithm caught it and thought that that's what I was saying. And they, in less than 40 seconds, I got a denial back that says, we carefully reviewed your 40 minute long video. Oh, sure. Sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so not only did they take that video down, they banned my channel for a week and took away my monetization until the end of August. That's awful. That's, and I was like, you know what? Fuck you guys. So yeah. I gave like a say la vie video and I won't even watch a YouTube link anymore. Like I, I have completely blacklisted YouTube altogether. Good. Good. Because if they don't change their terms of service and allow free speech on their platform, which this Texas situation is really interesting. I don't know if you guys are following that, but um, I know this is not related to guns and stuff like <laughs> but sometimes that's where the conversation goes. But I I don't know if you guys are following, but Texas just kind of got the keys to YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter because um, I don't know if you guys are following it or not, but there is a case where uh, they have said you cannot discriminate against. It's only citizens of Texas right now, but it sets precedent. And a federal judge has upheld the ruling stating that platforms do not have the right to censor speech based off of political preference. Oh man. Wouldn't that be wonderful if that, yeah, it's the, a big deal. So it. I'm, I'm watching it really closely to see where it goes. I think it's going to end up on the Supreme court's docket for the fall. I sure hope so. That would yeah. be perfect for Thomas to just jump on. Yeah, He'll get his claws into that and it'll be over for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so parting thoughts. Um, 
Kem, where can people find you? I'm assuming if you do the VR stuff, you probably are into gaming too. Um, <laughs> I'm just guessing. I mean, I mean, yeah, I don't have, I don't have, uh, I mean, I do have a YouTube channel if, if it's very small and I don't do anything with it. I'm considering <laughs> doing more stuff with it now. Um, Kem Regic on YouTube, uh, just as my name appears here. Uh, you can find me primarily on Twitter, uh, Kem underscore Regic on Twitter. Uh, the same thing, just as the name appears here, um, K-E-M underscore R-E-G-I-K. And uh, I, I'm unfortunately uh, addicted to the dumpster fire, so I, uh, I post and I comment and I repost and retweet and, and just I, I, I'm neck deep in the dumpster fire and I love it. So you can definitely find me there. Uh, I, I want to quickly shout out uh, the Rob Romano at 2A Updates, uh, Firearms Policy Coalition, great guy. Thanks for the heads up. Cobra Economics for being the the impetus and the inspiration for my actions in Utica uh, and everybody else who supported my uh, my antics and the antics of my boy Ricky here. Uh, this is it's it's been an outpouring of support and I'm so very thankful for it. We 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 need to keep talking, we need to keep fighting. You can't stop the signal and we need to keep reminding them of that every single day. I love it. All right, Ricky, hit me with it. Where can people find you? What do you got going on? I am also on the dumpster fire of an app Twitter. Um, <laughs> it's the uh, Ricky 2A3D. I made it specifically for the buyback, so I'm probably going to be more active on the account now. And the best part about the dumpster fire app is everyone's in the dumpster fire together on the app. But <laughs> that, that, that's the only place you'll find me as of now. Awesome. Yeah, I um I spend most of my time there too. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> it's not like you can't tell by the thousands of tweets that I put out per day. But okay, I appreciate you guys coming on with me, telling me the Absolutely. story. Um, Thank you for having I, fun. It was a lot of fun. Sorry, we went off the rails a little bit there, but no, it's great. It's great. Um, it's all it's all a part of the culture. Yeah, I think it all goes together too. I think it's important to talk about all of it, not just the guns. I obviously, I mean, I love firearms. I love love 3D printing. I think that the freedom that that presents to us as a country, man, try to take them. Come on. <laughs> because you're not going to, you got to have take no arms. Come and take them. Yeah. I want to see you try. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much. You guys take care. And um, Ken, Ricky, if you guys will DM me uh, your handles, just so I make sure I get them right in the sure. description, that would be awesome. All right, everybody else, thank you for joining us. We will see you next time on Shouse in the House. You guys have a great night. Bye. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to be notified whenever we have another episode come up, please subscribe. We are available on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. Please make it a great day in America. This is the country where few people leave, too many people want to enter, and dead people still vote. Take care. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death!